okay, so now Twitter has given up on sending me reminders to start my space. <laughs> and excellent. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's because just they're like the mics are hot and they're like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. You try to remember to schedule your space without us. And meanwhile, I'm like, tr- like I'm trying to find the link for the space. So I guess I got punished there. I also love the fact that it really wants me to confirm every time I invite you to co host. Like, Twitter's like, I don't know about this guy. Are you sure you want to? Invite- <laughs> I don't know. Because, like, the, the ramification. Did it go well last week? I don't know. I don't know. This guy again? Yeah. Again. You want to do it again? All right. Um, so I tried to change the, the, the title when I. I'm not sure that it, that it took. Um, so we should just be clear at the top that I, I feel like the, uh, the National Troll Service has. Has has <laughs> issued a the troll watch has actually been escalated to a troll warning, and those in the outer oxide islands are are advised to to seek shelter. Yeah, this is a mandatory evacuation <laughs> warning. Wick, I'm just saying that you can that that you can stay here, but we can't send anyone in to rescue you. Yeah, maybe days. In maybe days. Um. So I would ideally, and maybe we won't even get the time. Of this, I don't even know because I'm gonna have a hard time talking about the spam off tweet and then talking about anything else. So we'll see. Uh, do you want? Do you want to change the title of it? It's still saying "Time Software Engineer's Oldest Foe," which, and as it turns out, which is clever. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, so I changed that to Sam Altman, Software Engineering, Software Engineering's <laughs> youngest foe. <laughs> or yeah, foe to the youngest certainly. I and I don't, I'm not sure I can edit it from here. All right. Well, yeah. We'll just. All right. So we'll get going. So did you? Where did you? Did you see this tweet after I quote tweeted it, Adam? Uh, yes. 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 I saw it. Uh, yes. Thank you for that. So you blame me for this? Um. Well, if I hadn't seen your tweet, I wouldn't have seen it. Fall, so. I, I, that is unknowable. That is absolutely unknowable. <laughs> we can't know that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I may, so for those who, who didn't see it, so I mean, I do not follow Sam Altman. I want to be clear about this. The algorithm brought this to me. I did not seek this out. That's almost worse, though. It's like it knows, it knows you. Oh, you my know God. This is like, have we talked about Quora? Quora? You had this problem <laughs> with Quora? We're, we're like a few days after. It's like, hey, you look for this thing. No. So I have got a... So Quora sends me links that it thinks I'm interested in. And they are all, they all, they all relate to prison life. Like life in the big house, life in prison. <laughs> and, and, and the reason it keeps sending me these links is because I keep clicking on them. And because like, I don't know, I'm curious. I, yeah, how do they make porna in 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 the can how do they like if we ever need to make if when when you and i are finally incarcerated together and you need me to make booze i know what to take from the commissary to make booze see this is useful that is kind kind of of useful useful. so i don't know why i find this mesmerizing but i do find it mesmerizing i do click on it so of course core is like all right we got this guy dialed like anytime you have any article about prison life this guy will click on it and i want a way of saying like I'm clicking on it, but I feel filthy about myself. Like I don't like this is no bad click. I want to like you know I need a middle click button or something. I need some kind of click that says yes, I'm clicking on it, but please, please, please stop. I hate myself when I do this. I'm just 
<laughs> Bridget's like, no, you can't click on it. In my right. Brain. I know she no. should. She, I, it, it's, it's bad. So I feel like this way, definitely with the Sam Altman tweets, it's like, oh, Twitter. Okay, fine. But no, please don't. Don't bring them to me. I mean, but yes, I'm going to engage with them, unfortunately. So, so I pinned it, but do you want to give it a reading? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so he... <sighs> I mean, there's a whole bunch going on here, right? So there is this... I, I think higher ed is going through a lot there. I mean, higher ed does need to change and we can talk about kind of the, the and so I actually said, actually, Adam, from the jump, I do think that one very important clarification, you and I have share something very important in common, perhaps with some, presumably with some number of people here, you and I are the parents of teenagers. And I do feel that that very much colors our reaction to this. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it's been kind of interesting to me when, I mean, as a parent, like you really don't want to necessarily say, hey, non-parents can't weigh in on this. It's like, no, like everyone's opinion is valuable, but it's also indisputable that being a parent has changed my opinion about lots and lots and lots of things, has informed my thinking about lots and lots and lots of things. And being a parent of a teenager has informed my thinking about lots and lots of things. And and Adam, I don't know, maybe you had the same kind of thought that there's a big difference between being an 18-year-old and having an 18-year-old. And what you remember about being And an what you remember about being an 18-year-old. That's right. Because certainly at age 18, in my, in my current reflection of it, I was like an adult. Yes. When, but like, obviously I was a child. As, as evidenced by Bumpy last week, who, 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 who claimed to have known me since childhood, when what she meant was as like a twenty-four-year-old. Like, what she actually wrong. said, the actual words out of her mouth is, "I have known Adam since he was a baby," and and people are like, "Oh, I didn't know Brian grew up in Connecticut." I'm like, "No, no, 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 hey, not mom, not an like actual baby, but." No, like like a uh, you know five hundred month old baby, five hundred. But it's true, and it's like I know it's like I think it's certainly like I think of. I mean, obviously, you and I have known one another since we were both very young, and the although like I didn't know you at college. It was only when you were in college, and I was like some five years older than you are, but. Uh, and actually, I have to say it was fun. I mean, you were obviously at my wedding many, many years ago. And then being, uh, we sort of give people other full context. We were watching a, a, a ball game in which my my son was pitching as a senior in high school, pitching for the varsity team, which is a lot of fun. And you kind of think like, wow, like we are, we're old, right? Having been kind of through life's journey together. But the, yeah, so we, I mean, we were kids and, Obviously, it's a th th there's a gradient there, and we society have kind of picked 18 years old for some things, and we picked 21 years old for other things, and we should probably pick 26 years old or 28 years old for a lot of other things. Um, but the, all right, so the tweet, just to read it, is a Sam Altman says a version of college replacement that I'm super interested in. Find the smartest and most driven 18 year olds in the world and give them tenure, say a decade plus of salary, resources to work on whatever they want in a smart peer group in exchange for a small percentage of future earnings. Oh, I'm like throwing up in the trash can. To which I quote tweeted and said that this is child abuse, I, which I absolutely 
believe. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not being, I, there's, without hyperbole, I think that that is so wrong to even contemplate. An 18-year-old is, yes, is an adult in, in some very narrow senses, but is also very much uh, a child in many other senses and is emphatically a child with respect to mortgaging their own future. Uh, and I felt that this whole tweet was horrifying. So Adam, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, same. I mean, uh, you know, I think I, you know, I, I love my 16 year old. I think the world of him. And if given sort of unfettered access to capital and like, uh, I, I don't think necessarily like the world's uh, greatest thoughts would come out of him um, that there is a role that adversity plays in and, and necessity plays in crafting people and ideas. And uh, I mean, I guess like I, I felt, is it the Altman fellowship or whatever it was he was doing to encourage people to drop out of school? I feel like it's just fucking yes. people up uh, th or this idea would fuck people up. Okay. So I, yes, I totally agree. And I've been trying to think about like, why do I find this so off putting? And so I've got, I've got an idea that I want to kind of float by you and float by you kind of you plural. So other, other folks may have a perspective on this, but the, um, it, I feel that as I reflect back on my own education, I really haven't learned from peers. I love my peers in terms of like, you know, we're talking the young adult education, say 18 to 26 in that 18 to 26 period. I wasn't really learning from peers. I was learning from people who were further down the track than I was. Professors, TAs, older undergraduates. I, th when it was at work, it was more senior engineers. And I feel like I learned, there's so many people that I learned so much from. And my peers also learned from them. And I loved being with my peers. And as I grew older with my peers, I came to learn a lot from my peers. And now I would say I learn a ton from my peers. But I feel like that's the fundamental disconnect, that if you take an 18-year-old and put them only with, with other 18-year-olds, they're not going to learn anything. I mean, that or what they're going to learn is, I shouldn't say that, they are, th there's a lot of opportunity for life's wisdom that you are not getting by taking them that's right. It, it, that, that's right. It's not that they won't learn from their peers. It's rather they're getting a, a single kind of first principles kind of take on the world, um, which may, I mean, perhaps to Altman's point, and this may be stretching, stretching to, to find a point, uh, there may be some benefit there, but there's also a huge amount of benefit of not needing to make every mistake the, the hard way or learn every lesson yes. the hard way. Yes. And I mean, I feel that so many, I mean, and Adam, I don't know if you feel this the same way too, being at, I mean, having been at, you and I have both been at big established company, a couple of startups, and now working together at a startup that is predominantly people who are, are 10 plus years into their career. And I feel a big reason that startups are fucked up is because they are started generally by very young people who have a lot of life's lessons still in front of them. And they make a lot of repeatable mistakes because they're not listening to people who are older than they are. Is my, is that an, oh, I, 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 I know disagreement there. And I think a lot of the, the, um, you know, my read on a, the YC culture 
is that it's like, you know, that folks with experience don't, don't sort of teach us everything and that there's first principles learning is more important. And I've heard that directly from venture capitalists, including, including venture capitalists who were investors in my company, um, that you should learn everything from first principles and like smart people are going to outpace people with experience. And, and I, and I get that as sort of a meme, but it does seem to deny both, uh, in this context, people trying to learn of a whole vista of learning and then people starting companies of, of a, a different kind of vista of learning um, and, and forcing them to, to reconsider things, you know, some that need to be reconsidered, others that don't, but certainly denying themselves the benefit of, of learned experience. There's also some historical precedent for this kind of myth of 18-year-olds running the show all over the place. And that's the Dark Ages, after the fall of the Roman Empire in Europe. I mean, most of the nobility at that time was like 18 years old. And, you know, a lot of these stupid wars were caused because somebody was like, hey, the duke and the neighboring fiefdom, like, looked at me wrong at the last feast. I'm going to go fuck them up. It's like, we've the world has seen this before, and it was not pretty. It's all like King Joffrey, as far as the eye can see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You know, that, that's obviously fiction, but, like, there is some historical precedence for these young no- nobles and, and royalty and so forth that were just, like, you know, clearly given to the, their worst inclinations because they were all teenagers. Well, and then I think we also then fetishize, and I think, like, math does a particularly uh, bad job of this or good job of this, I guess, depending on your axis, but we, we overly fetishize youth. And because as we get older... Like, look, we lose mental acuity as we, as we get older. And thank God, we also gain wisdom as we get older. <laughs> Unclear if we gain wisdom faster or slower than we lose mental acuity. But I, I think we tend to fetishize this period of kind of maximal mental acuity and then minimize the fact that like, well, yeah, but you actually have no, no wisdom there. You're making a lot of repeatable mistakes. And I said, I think, I mean, I mean, I don't think, the, I mean, the Fields Medal is so screwed up. Yeah. What, what is the age limit on that? 40, I believe. Mm. You're correct. It is 40. So you cannot win the Fields Medal if you're older than 40. It's like, whoa, that's warped. <laughs> well, but that, that, like, in fairness, that was designed for a very specific reason, and that was to encourage young mathematicians to take risks and yeah, try to do good things. I mean, so, like, that, that I kind of give them a pass, but that's, that's a very specific, highly vertical thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that we, and I mean, I think it's a huge mistake. I think we fetishize, you know, and Adam, I'm sure that, I mean, you've seen this too, where you have uh, kids that are very prescient or they develop early, they develop early mentally or physically, and they end up with their childhood ends up being effectively sacrificed because their adulthood arrives too early. And when they arrive to the actual adulthood, it's like, as it turns out, everyone's caught up. And they went actually when they were a math prodigy at seven, it's like, actually, you just had the mental acuity of, of a 20 something when you were seven. And when now you're 21, it's not like you're not, I mean, this is not true for all math prodigies, obviously, there are, are plenty that remain prodigious into adulthood. But for everyone that's prodigious into adulthood, I would bet that there are, there's more than one that is actually caught up to by the general population and then looks back on a childhood that's lost. 
Yeah, as a as a fellow normie, uh, I, I definitely agree with that <laughs> perspective. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I like my freshman year of college, our next, my next door neighbor was something like 14 or 15. And I, I think it's also a shame to deny children childhood. Yes. Hey, well, and I know we've got a couple of examples of this. The, I, I mean, I can think of a couple of examples in our, I mean, both shared lives and separate lives, Adam. Um, I, when I went to school, I, there was a fellow first year that was exceptional from a math perspective, um, was TAing um, uh, Math 35, which was the, I mean, because you, you took Math 35, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah with it, Professor yeah. Banchoff, yes. Right, so I, I, I was not smart enough to take Math 35. So I, this, is the, this is the accelerated, for those who did very well in the BC Calc exam, um, the, uh, um, the, uh, for those who done, had done very well on, on the BC Calc exam, um, you were, uh, you could take math 35. I was stuck in, in steerage with, in, in math 17. <laughs> um, but he, he wasn't just taking math 35. He was TAing math 35 while he was taking hundred level and 200 level, which is to say graduate level math courses as a first year, which is like super unusual. He had been featured as a prodigy when Newsweek had famously featured him as a prodigy when he was younger. And so it's just like, all right, like, wow, that guy must be really, really smart. It's great. Like, good, that's amazing. Good. That's awesome for you. And then like a, a really interesting thing, strange thing happened that he and I were in the same operating systems class together. Um, an operating systems class that very much changed my own life. So something that I looked at and Adam changed your life as well, I think. Fair Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so certainly we both see the power of education in that regard and the power of a professor to, um, and, and TAs, honestly, older folks to really, to, to kind of change one's life. So I was in this life-changing operating systems course and this erstwhile prodigy was also taking the same course. And the thing about this course is that course, I, part of what I loved about the course is like that course was hard intellectually, but it was also just like a lot of work. Like there was not, you, you couldn't just kind of show up for the exam in 169, right? A lot of lab work, and uh, which is great. I mean, that's part of what made that course great, I felt, was, was all of the, the very intense lab work. And uh, it, he was kind of like trying to phone it in a little bit, which is like, all right, that's not going to work. He's just going to, that, like, that, it doesn't matter how bright you are, that's not going to work. And then kind of a, 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 a funny thing happened, because there were, and Adam, when you took it, were there homework assignments as well as labs? There were homework assignments, but that was in the sort of companion class. So this was at Brown University. There was a kind of a one and a half course sequence where you could take 167, where you do homeworks in class and like exams and stuff. And then 169, where you actually build the operating system. Yes. A transition that actually happened while I was there, because 169, this operating systems course, had a reputation I don't know if it, if it, it still had that reputation when you were there, Adam, but it had a reputation on campus as being one of the most difficult, time-consuming courses on campus. The, um, the uh, joke at my time was 
169 because they're only 168 hours in the week. <laughs> right. So this is a hard course. The one that I would put it next to was Ed 100. Education 100 was another one that was famously with Ted Sizer, a very famous lecturer. Um, another life-changing course. But like you could, it was literally not physically possible to take Ed 100 and CS169 side by side because they were, each of them was too demanding um, of your time. And so the, in particular, the, the son of the chair of the department was taking 169 and doing very poorly because he wasn't doing any of the work. And the chair of the department had decided, that's it, this course is too hard and you have to, uh, you, you have to basically get rid of the labs. And to the professor's credit, refused to get rid of the labs and try to get creative. He did get creative by creating a full credit course, which was this course that did all the kind of the, the material you're talking about, Adam 167. And then the labs, it, it, which he retained the number for, which was beautiful, is only a half credit course. Did you find another half credit to pair with that one? <laughs> I did, actually. I picked up my other half with um, Greek... Uh, no, no, Latin grammar review. I had taken a bunch of... Oh my God, what? I, I, had, I had taken a bunch of Latin in high school and I showed up uh, to, to Brown University as a freshman thinking that I could take a graduate level Latin class, which I could in, a, in the most technical sense. Um, and, you know, I had my first experiences with a student with the dreaded see me after see me? my first exam. There you go. Uh, exactly. But then later on, I, I did some Latin grammar review as a senior with a bunch of freshmen, and it was great. And so you got a half credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Picked because, up the other half. Oh, so what the this half credit is like gloriously useless because there are so few other half credit courses. When I was there, the only other half credit course was the chorus. So you could go sing in the chorus. If you're like, I don't sing. I can't sing in the chorus. Well, well then, then don't take 169. But it means you were only taking 169, basically for the challenge and the thrill and, and the education, right? But in, in my day, these were still too good. So, so Adam, you had the homework assignments in 167. The, this, this OS course had the, you had homeworks. Uh, yes, and, uh, Brian, and for the other speakers, um, we're all, I, I, it seems like getting really compressed and the audio is really choppy, but I checked the recording audio and maybe folks uh, who are not speakers could give like a thumbs up if the audio sounds fine uh, to all of you. Because you, you sound fine to me. This is not true. Okay. But you sound fine to me. Do I not sound fine to you? No, no. We're losing. I, I'm losing kind of every other word, but I, I don't know that it's worth fixing. It's, it's a bit. There's, there's a bit of a drop, yes. Come on, Twitter. Get it together. Um, I also wonder if it's different for uh, speakers. as yeah, then it, cause I actually think because speakers live in the future in Twitter That's spaces, right. I actually wonder if they've got an issue that's only affects. But fortunately, our resident Twitter support engineer, Tom Lyon, internet, <laughs> internet pioneer and uh, a Twitter support engineer, Tom Lyon. Um, it, it, Tom will, I'm sure, just get right on that. That's right. Well, uh, uh, we, we, we can see the delay in chat like, you know, or in the, on the screen. People are giving us the, the two, two fingers, the like, victory salute here, which I infer to mean that the audio sounds okay, because I forgot there isn't actually a thumbs up anymore. But um, sound, sounds like we sound fine to them, but we just don't sound good to each other. That's fine. Okay, well, th th we can endure. Um, you sound great to me, so really it is only you who are suffering. I'm so sorry. Um, but so you, but you had homeworks in 167. That's and right. They were idiosyncratic, I assume. Yeah, in the in the way that uh, the professor um, Tom Deppner had what it is and was idiosyncratic, and 
this just like thinks about things differently, like in a good way, but in a but in a way that's definitely different. And would ask these kind of open-ended problems, open-ended like word problems. And as having been a TA, having graded those, like no two answers are the same. Basically, everyone. It actually, Adam, it reminds me of the question that you're fond of asking. You've got a question that you're fond of asking candidates and people kind of explore their thought process. And I kind of feel like that's like a classic 167. Yeah. 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 Um, So this math prodigy sitting beside me taking this course turns in the answer key, turns in the same answer that Tom's got. And it's like, did you cheat on this? And it's called in and it says, no, no, I like, no, I don't, well, I guess I just, I came up with the same answer. I don't know. It's like came up with word for word, the same answer. And the, uh, it's like, okay. And then later on the, the kind of the next assignment, uh, Tom seated his home directory with a false copy of the answers that this student then turned in and, and was ultimately, was allowed to stay at the university, but couldn't, I mean, it's a whole big deal. And, and it was, a, and I remember at the time thinking like, holy God, you've got such, like you have so, you were born with so much from in terms of a natural ability perspective. Why would someone who is born with so much then do something that is so wrong and so reckless and so unnecessary given their obvious Capacity. I mean, they just didn't have the time to do the work for the class. Like, just don't take the class. You know, it's and the the kind of the thing that I came to is that I think that part of this person's problem was they had been deprived of a childhood. That 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 having this kind of being in Newsweek when you're seven years old for being super smart is probably not the best thing for your long term development was kind of my conclusion from that. And Ian, I saw you, uh, you go to speak, you know, someone in, in something similar. Yeah. I mean, um, as someone who, uh, was accelerated through, through high school, uh, I had, you know, a number of peers who were in similar ish situations where they were, um, uh, either taking college level classes early or, you know, started college a year early or whatever else. Um, one kind of common thread on, on those uh, people is often um, the work is easy until it isn't. Um, yeah. So they, they never really learn the ability to study because they don't need to. They don't need to do put in a, a huge amount of work for a very large amount of time up until you hit a course where that does not work, um, which is often even just at first year university level, first year college level is where that kind of threshold gets passed and, and you do actually have to study. And a lot of people struggle when they get to that point because they've found that um, up until that point, school and school work has been a cakewalk. And it's as soon as it isn't and requires some, some, some effort, then um, things become difficult and perhaps people look for an easy way out to be able to, um, uh, you know, continue to not have to work. No, I, I think you're right. And certainly that was true. It sounds like it was true for you. It's definitely true for me that, and Adam, it sounds like it was true for you. I, you and I have not bonded over the CME story, 
but I ha also had C me written at the, the the top of my first two college exams. Had uh, I was taking, I took two exams concurrently. They both came back with C me written at the top of it because I'd done exceedingly poorly on both exams because I had taken Ian that same approach that you're talking about, which is like I kind of skated through high school and uh, the skating doesn't work anymore. At some level, the skating doesn't work anymore. And in many ways, and this is part of why I view what Altman is describing as so despicable, is the, you have to take that youthful ego and gently massacre it and then rebuild someone up. And you, when you are being, and you want to do that in a way that doesn't leave people, you know, d despondent, but you also need to, at some level, struggle you need to and adam i think this was your point too that like you need adversity you need things not to go well you need to, and you're talking about like you need to actually like work hard that's all those are really important life lessons that are a part of your education that happen between 18 and 22 often and to take an 18 year old and deprive them of that is to me deeply wrong to that that 18 year old i think another thing about your math prodigy fellow I actually feel really bad for that person to some extent, like not trying to excuse the cheating. That's, that's just not okay. Pretty much ever, certainly not in an academic context, but I can't, I can't only imagine that that person was just had an enormous amount of pressure riding on them basically from this, from childhood. And when I say childhood, I mean like, you know, three, four five years old and their entire identity was probably centered around being this academic whiz kid and then they get into college and, and and then they hit that that barrier that both you and Ian described of like, oh golly, now I really have to work and I can't just skate anymore. And you know, that just becomes and, and then they hit this class. <laughs> I mean, an operating systems class for God's sakes. And it's just kicking their asses or kicking their ass. And and, and they're just like, what do I do? You know, I mean, talk yeah. about an identity crisis. Yeah, and Danny, it's twenty six. I definitely found myself wondering what was going through his head at that moment. Probably and pure terror. Pure terror. And you got to think that, like, as you describe it as an identity crisis, because I think that you know this is the the peril of kids believing that they're smart. This is the other kind of like there are many aspects of Altman's tweet that I find I take real issue with. But the idea that we're oh we're going to find the smartest. It's like, okay, what does that mean, smartest? Who's the smartest? How are you going to find? How are you going to find this? Right. Is this going to give us like dozens of Theranoses? Absolutely. And I thought, it w by the way, are you watching The Dropout, Adam? No, no, no. I've seen it advertised oh, on Twitter. Oh, it's but I haven't, so I good. It. Yeah, good. All right, I'll check it out. It is so good. I think it's outstanding. I mean, like, okay, like, look, obviously, I, you know, this is, I, I'm obviously going to be predisposed uh, this is right up the fairway, but I think it's very good. It's really well acted. Um, it's well written. And there are definitely scenes in there where you're like, wait a minute, is this true? It's like there are <laughs> a, 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 I mean, a lot of it is uh, certainly like the, uh, the, 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 they, they tell the story very accurately in terms of the, the, the course level and the players and so on. But there's so many small scenes that seem very plausible. I, I really want to see a making of, but Adam, it's really worth watching. And I think worth watching actually uh, with Will. Um, I think it's really interesting to watch with kids. Yeah, interesting. 
Uh, Jason, you, uh, sorry, J Jason Ozo, you got your... Uh, yeah, sure. And I can say yeah. that as soon as you convert from being a listener to a speaker, the audio quality goes to trash. So anyway, um, the thing that I was going to raise was that there's been a lot of mention about self-esteem and trying to build kids' self-esteem through uh, empty gestures as opposed and praising um, ability rather than praising effort as being a real problem for kids when they actually meet adversity and they don't know how to recover from adversity. So that whole praising effort rather than um, ability thing, they've done uh, experiments where kids who are praised for their ability, when they meet a hard problem, they the language that they use to express their uh, thought process revolves around, I guess I'm just not smart enough to do this. Whereas um, I, I believe that there was an experimental design where basically they sort of prepared these kids to either be thinking in terms of challenge or in terms of ability. And the ones who were prepared in terms of challenge did better at responding to that kick up in the learning curve. Yeah, and I, it totally. It's a, you know, there have been a couple of very famous studies about that, about you know, the, the peril of praising kids as smart. And Jason, did that color your your take on Altman's tweet? I mean, did you did, first of all, did you have the same reaction that that we had, and well, did that color your reaction to it? So I just I just responded to um, one of Adam's tweets with, uh, yeah, I'd been in a company actually where they got a bunch of grads, um, young grads, and they wanted them to do the second system. The first system had been you know, PC-based, Ball and Pascal. It was a defense comms uh, system. And they wanted to do the second one in Unix and they wanted to do it with C++ and they didn't show any of the people who they got into that. They didn't actually show them the first system, how it works, listen to people who were experienced users. They All the user stories were actually constructed by one of the owners of the company and they didn't want to blinker their vision. And so this kind of business model of imagining well, we could, we could actually be Einstein, you know, we could come up with all of this stuff straight, you know, could spring from our foreheads. Um, I really hear what you were saying earlier about uh, learning from people. I mean, a huge amount of what I learned was uh, getting access to Usenet early on and reading comp.arch. So um, really, you know, that, that ability to actually participate in a bigger conversation um, it's not something that necessarily is going to come to people who are just sort of taken and coddled and put it together with a bunch of other people their age. Well, I think that, right, that's exactly it. And I think that that is, I think especially if, as many of us were, if you were a bright 18-year-old, you probably reflect back on your life thinking, boy, I cannot imagine taking myself surrounding myself with doppelgangers of myself like i would be insufferable today i mean to the degree i'm not already insufferable sorry adam but the the degree of <laughs> well is this is this an impolite time to point out that you were <laughs> praised praised for your you know, your youth was fetishized by the mit technical review oh mm, yeah no that's a good is this point. awkward is this <laughs> no yeah no this is a good it, 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 yes so yeah so go on. No, well, you, you were TR35, right? So this is like, thirty. you know, the 35 brightest folks under 35. Although I think I think 35 feels like you're, you're certainly well into your way into adulthood. But I was well, also thinking about the Forbes 30 under 30 and uh, 
and our speculative five under five, which is yeah, still the, coming. The, the five under five. We're going to do the oxide five under five. This is Josh Kulo's brilliant idea. Adam Adam, 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 I thought it was a great idea. Five under five. We're going to take the five brightest technologists under entrepreneurs under the age of five years old, and we're going to laud them because that's it. They're really, uh... yeah. I, you know, I. I mean, obviously. I've got super mixed feelings about that. I mean, I would say the one thing about 35 at least is that most of those folks were that was, it was a super interesting crew. I would say that. And and there were some technologists that um were I mean, I had this really I, 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 one of my kind of like my dinner mates um was an engineer working on a new kind of engine that would resulting on a new kind of engine that would result in like a 1.5 percent improvement in efficiency and he was really really fascinating and talk about like grinding on a very hard problem for a very long period of time so i feel like like they however they did it they did a decent job of getting people that were somewhat far in their career but yeah i i got a lot of mixed feelings about that because i don't know that it like it was it was nice. It was fun. I really enjoyed meeting those folks, but I'm not sure that it was. I definitely not, I don't view it as a part of my identity, and I I think it's really unfortunate when we are we do fetishize youth by you know by indicating that hey you should be on these lists or what have you. It's like no, like stop being in a hurry and start actually grinding on the the harder longer problems and that is that's not that those awards and lists don't do anything to to reward that i don't feel is that a uh, yeah, oh, no 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 i forgive you yes <laughs> it doesn't mm, it doesn't feel like it i do remember thinking like <laughs> because i mean obviously i i i i was aware that i was going to win this thing this honor before it happened and i'm like wow this is going to change everything and of course it like it changes absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I was still like I was changing a diaper the day before, and I was changing a diaper the day. <laughs> That's right. Until this moment, everyone's right. been too polite to bring it up. That's right. Exactly. Um, but I and I think that there's it, it, there's just a real danger because then you end up with people. Now with that crew, I will say that I somewhat recently just wanted to, to see where some of those folks had landed who were uh, in the the tier thirty five for whatever that year was two thousand and six whatever it was. And it's like because those folks were thirty four thirty three years old when they they were basically they were they, they were academics they were postdocs like they were already like far enough along that they've gone on to do. Um, really interesting things, interesting technologists. Um, but I do think that there's a real peril for making that that bar too low because we don't actually. The other thing is, like, you think about the the you know the ways that we season and the things that we get better at. I mean, Adam, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm a much better writer now than I was 20 years ago. Oh God! I mean, just when I read the stuff that, I, unfortunately, I was too prolific. 20 years ago and now I would read that garbage and I, I'm just embarrassed that it's still there. Now, of course I have less time to write, but I like to think that I've gotten better at it. Can I, uh, I, I know I'm not in a safe space, but can I confide something in you that I, uh, I did not use which versus that correctly for like the first 10 years of my adult life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still not. I just try to avoid it. I now and now I'm like I find my old writing I'd like the unreadable in terms of like oh my god come on you idiot that's a subordinate clause what are you doing, um but I feel like certainly I feel like writing is something I but there's a lot of other things that we certainly I feel 
and Adam, I don't know what what else would you put on the list of like things I mean, you got better at? Top of the list for me is empathy. Totally. Just like hearing myself and and hearing the way it will be perceived, understanding other people and their needs and their motivations. Um, and I mean, maybe this is both years and and like children and and the burden of life, but also just uh, being able to find a hill that I'm not willing to die on. <laughs> yes. Just be like, you know, we can disagree and you, and I can be wrong and I can apologize and or we can just walk away with this argument, uh, you know, not not had. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One being in uh, I mean, in, you and I are both married, not to one another, but to 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 lovely people. Right. Fact, um, trick, true. The, 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 right. And being in a long term relationship, I feel it forces like you have to like you have to resolve issues. You, you can't, you know, you can't hold on to grievances, right? You're going to have to let those go. You having kids, I think, really does force you. I, I feel that having kids has made me way more empathetic, in part because uh, someone with a sense of humor up there sent me some kids that are pretty different than I am. And that's been, <laughs> uh, that's been really good. That's been, honestly, even when it drives me absolutely up the wall, that's been really, really good for and I think like I, I feel I mean did were you the only one that wanted to like inflict children upon Altman for this? Sorry, you, you cut out right as you said it. Can you say it again? I want to inflict children upon Sam Altman. I want to force oh. Sam Altman to have children. Yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, I, or, or I sort of do, but I worry about those children. <laughs> yes, it's a terrible experiment. We can't do it. It's irresponsible. Yeah, I mean, the, the I mean that that aside, the other kind of half of this tweet. Uh, or interpretation of this tweet of his gets into the the way that venture views human capital, oh, and, and, and in one sense, this this is a hyper rational perspective, which is he's buying as low as possible, and and if these these investments, also known as these humans, like go bankrupt, then whatever. It's like it's it, that's that's their problem to a degree. Um, and the upside of it is sort of unbounded. So yes, uh, it, it, it sort of I, that sort of makes it more horrible. I think. I think it makes it more horrible too. I would love to hear what other people think about this, but I agree with you. I think that that makes it way more horrible. And the and I mean, people pointed out that like, hey, wait a minute, student loans are the same thing. It's like eh, uh, student loans. I think it is. I think it is horrific. Part of the reason that the system needs to change is because we cannot straddle such young people with so much debt is so deeply wrong. So, I mean, no, but the thing about student loans is that the, the actual nut that you owe is actually fixed versus, Adam, you're pointing out, the upside for them is effectively unbounded. And I mean, I would, I would note that the US does have uh, pretty insane interest rates on some student loans. Yes. Uh, and the people who are least in a, position by which to pay off those loans are also at least in a position to get them refinanced with more favorable terms after they've got their degree so it's it's pretty it's a pretty monstrous system uh, particularly when you compare with overseas where um you know australia system uh, the government provides the loans and they are indexed to inflation so oh interesting you're not, you're not getting huh. this like ever-growing amount of debt based on 
a interest rate which in some cases is comparable to a credit card which is kind of insane yeah rapacious absolutely yeah and Ian, it's a very good point and thank you for i like i do not want to come anywhere close to defending the student loan industrial complex and i um because you're right I, mean, I think it is just so wrong to saddle those folks with that but to me it feels even more wrong to take a slice out of someone's earnings do you uh, do you agree with that or maybe you disagree with that i i agree with that uh but I guess like even the even the the premise of it of of just the allowing people to create in this vacuum or this vacuum of responsibility in a sense, right? Like that that somehow alleviating financial pressure will cause folks to do their greatest work, or not just financial pressure, kind of pressure writ large, uh, will will cause these young folks to do their best work. And I think it, that may be true for some minority, but would almost certainly be deleterious for the rest. Yes. I mean, how would that money get blown? I mean, I would be, I mean, it would be, it would be obviously a huge handout to all sorts of various industries. I mean, the, uh, obviously it, it's a, basically a transfer payment to ease and Xbox, the, <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever the, the Jack in the box, Wendy's. I mean, yeah. yeah. A lot of startups. It's and I just also think it feels wrong to me. I mean, to me, it, like taking a share of someone's future earnings feels like having some like some departed investor or founder on your cap table, and you're just like on your like on your personal yeah, on your the cap personal, table of your life, yeah. of cap table of your life that you can't recap out of. You're just like, and it's just like that takes something out of you. I remember we had you know it's like when at a previous startup knowing that the fired ceo was still very much on the cap table it's like it doesn't feel great it doesn't feel like all right well i'm gonna go bust my ass here for you i guess um and it, it's something you gotta i don't know i i just feel it would be and then of course you also get into all these like op- perverse incentives and you know you want to turn down a job because actually you know, this job is going to pay more, but I actually want to take this job that's going to pay less. Well, now this asshole on your cap table is actually wanting you to take this higher paying but more miserable job. What do you think of that? Like thinking of this in terms of like professional athletes, because in, in some mean, sense, this, this yeah, feels... so, so it does exist in the in the professional athlete world in the form of like baseball. But like the this is the concept of an income share agreement to be able to repay um course financing is not is like exists today so companies like lambda school um currently have that the difference yes. is that is i think that there's a there's a cap on the time that is more favorable than to be fair sam sam Alton here hasn't really laid out the full agreement but you know there is a there is a cap on the the time uh, and a cap um on I think the minimum salary before they start to get some amount of that that payout, um, but I do think the other piece here that's a little bit weird to me is the salary that I would accept as an 18 year old and the salary that I would be getting at, as a 28 year old <laughs> a salary plus all the all the other total comp is very 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 different. And if you lock someone in at a 18 year old salary for a decade with just, I don't know, cost of living adjustments in there, um, they're going to be grossly underpaid by the time they get to, to the 
uh, later ends of that, um, which is kind of terrifying in my opinion. And then without a degree, I mean, without a, without the, an education or without, I mean, I just think totally. like, to, to bury that all into a, into a startup just feels very wrong. So in terms of like the Lambda school, but they, are they called something else now? They haven't, they, they've, haven't they like rebranded to avoid lawsuits or something? But the, the Lambda school, I mean, w- w- what do you think, is that model working for folks? I, I see so many horror stories about it. it. It doesn't feel to me like that model is much better uh, in fact, arguably worse because you're getting people to effectively mortgage their own future. I mean, it reminds me of indentured servitude from when people were looking for travel to the new world, right? And it's like desperate people will do extraordinary things and kind of taking advantage of that desperation feels deeply, deeply wrong. I'm not sure maybe... No, Brian, you, you kind of were cutting in and out there. I think the, the question was uh, like, what do people think of the Lambda School? Yeah. And, and yeah. 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 I Didn't think that the, um, the, the interest is it, difficult. So when you compare the landscape of coding boot camps, um, coding boot camps uh, that are paid out of pocket by the student, um, you can be pretty hit or miss as to whether or not the student gets the outcome that they want out of that and have potential to be rife with. Um, kind of charlatans, right, where a smaller school could very easily rip off uh, someone who is hoping to learn something and, and uh, make a career change. Um, they could get ripped off of whatever capital that they have to be able to try and make that change and be left at the other side without um, a meaningful increase in skills and a meaningful uh, like piece of paper that they can then shop around to employers Um the upside of the income share agreement is it does, to some degree, align incentives between the school and the individual, and that the school is motivated to land that person into a job which pays them enough. And the income share agreement is not that much different from what a recruiter, like a third-party recruiter, would get in landing someone in a tech job. So, like, I'm a little... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the ISA as outlined for for some of those coding boot camps. I think it might not be that bad an idea. I think that the, for, for in this case, like an income share agreement for an 18-year-old who has not got a degree and it does not get an accreditation out the other side and does not land in a job, I don't know. I, I, I have very different feelings about that. <laughs> Other than that, though, it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds, I think, pretty pretty bleak. So the other thing that I think is, the, in, in terms of the other danger of this, that the, it, it, I mean, aside from the income, the income share agreement, um, you know, talk a little bit about, like, how do, you know, if you want to find the smartest 18-year-olds, part of the reason I feel so strongly that this is child abuse is because that search for the 18-year-olds has to start much, much, much earlier. I mean, Ian, you were mentioning brief, briefly baseball, which is something I definitely threw my son know quite a bit about or a decent amount about. And it's like, you don't show up as a Div 1 baseball player. Like, that doesn't just happen. That That is a, a someone who's going to play Division 1 baseball was a standout baseball player when they were seven. And they did the showcases and the camps. And they, I mean, and th- th- there's there's a very deliberate process that you go through that requires an extraordinarily talented 
driven kid uh, also requires a lot of surround and uh, it requires a lot of parental involvement as well. And I just have a lot of questions about how you, you, Sam Altman, think you're going to find these 18 year olds. And one of the other comments that in reply to this was, Hey, you know, you're just like selecting for the same privilege. You're basically just getting the same, the people that would have gone to Yale. I mean, like what, what kind of, this is not like democratizing this at all. Uh, Adam, I don't know. What do you think? Am I, it was, I, was any of no, that? Here, breaking yeah, up? no, uh, uh, breaking up a bit, but yeah. Uh, it, like the notion of how we choose these folks does seem like it's going to lean on all the same privilege. And uh, like the university system certainly has its problems um, in terms of discrimination. And, but I think recognizes them more than venture recognizes uh, their discrimination and the way that they invest their money, um, at, at least as problems to solve. So uh, not a lot of confidence that this putative group of 18 year olds would not sort of look like they had benefits from their 18 years of privilege, if, if not more. Right. And this does cause me, I, I do have to give the, 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 the blood camp story, Adam, I have to tell you the, 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 the uh, a, a, a very wealthy, I am a very wealthy friend of mine has get togethers of various technologists. I, a, <laughs> I, I really enjoy that you're, it's like you're trying to say a paragraph without using the letter E. <laughs> How am I doing? My E key is broken. I can't use, I, I, my E key is broken and I'm trying to just avoid it. Is, is it my, am yeah, I getting no, there? No. no, you got it. That's sufficiently anonymized, I guess. Okay, uh, good. Well, the and so Adam, you had a great way of phrasing this: of like, you're a baseball card, like because you could, <laughs> you you must be a baseball card for someone else. Like you, the, the, you must have had also experienced this phenomenon where you're someone's baseball card. Like they they you know they keep you under the bed, and every once in a while their friends are over, and they get to get pulled out, and like all the baseball cards go out of the bed and get to like look at the baseball cards. I don't know. So. Like I'm a baseball card, which is fine. I'm actually cool with being a baseball card. Like I don't know. Do I not have enough? Do I no, not the, have high enough standards about myself? Yeah, the food's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. The food is good. I, you're right. Exactly. The food is good. So this person was having a uh, get together um, with many people. This is before the pandemic, like 150, something like that. Like a lot of people in a nice spot. Like all right. And as we know, I've got low standards for myself. So like, sure, free food. Why not? Um, and on the attendee list are in addition to like technologists they were like technologists and then like younger technologists yet younger technologists and then like three 17 year olds two 15 year olds and three 14 year olds and you're like whoa wait a minute what it whoa and in particular this is like an overnight thing where they kind of assign you in these tents and they had they assign you like a tent mate and they had assigned me a 14-year-old as a tent mate. And someone who was at that time uh, a year younger than my oldest child. And uh, one can quibble about whether an 18-year-old is a child. I think we can all agree that a 14-year-old is emphatically a child. And I sent email to the organizers being like, you are having me tent with a child. And this per where, are the where are is this person's parents? And by the way, this person should not be here. Um, is alcohol being served? It's like, I mean, there's, there is so much that can go wrong. And I did speak to the organizer about it. I'm like, you need to stop doing that. that the, the, you got to cut that off. And 
he was doing it for like somewhat good reasons, which I suspect is like, I want to give Altman the benefit of the doubt, which I actually don't want to give. I've got no to do that. But they, <laughs> it, it, they, I mean, I think he's like, they're trying to think back. I was like, oh, I as a 14-year-old would have loved this. And it's like, okay, you as a 14-year-old would have loved this. But fine, you're not a 14-year-old. You're a fucking adult. And this 14-year-old has parents. And those parents have a responsibility to that 14-year-old. And this 14-year-old shouldn't. It doesn't matter whether you as a 14-year-old want to do this. Like, children want to do all sorts of things that they shouldn't do. And have some teenagers. And you, you'll you learn that, right? Um, so we, we should not defer to what children want what children want to do just because they want to do it. And in particular, I was just like totally shocked at that. Um, did I tell you my mom, I told my mom that I was. <laughs> that, that you were scheduled to room with a 14 year old. Well, I, that I handled on my own. Like that was like, <laughs> absolutely no way that that's you're like, you're like, not only does this 14 year old have parents, I have parents. I have parents and uh, my mom's school psychologist and uh, someone who is, I look up to a lot and it is uh, great with kids, but I did let her know about this. And, and I mean, she was like, Brian, if you see anything amiss, you need to call the police. I'm like, mom, I got it. And she's like, I'm serious. I'm like, okay, mom, I got it. I got it. I called the police check. Um, but I mean, she's serious for a good reason because like that is anyone who deals with kids. If in any capacity, youth sports, I obviously deal with kids a lot in scouts. I mean, Adam, you're a coach of youth sports. It's like, that is crossing so many lines at once that should not be crossed. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I guess I, I'm, I feel in Altman's tweet that I, I, I get that these kind of uh, – th that's part of what is echoing for me is that like, hey, in order to find an 18-year-old, you probably actually found this person as a 14-year-old. And that is unquestionably child abuse uh, or unquestionably an inappropriate relationship where you've gotten an adult having a relationship with a child that the, even if they think that they're, that this is in the child's best interest, this is still a child. And it's like, what are we doing in tech? What is our, what is wrong with us? I'm worried that like my mom, I'm like afraid to show my mom that tweet. My mom's <laughs> going to be so upset. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> oh man. For, for um, you know, the other yeah. thought I had reading it was, you know, I, I think as I, I've mentioned on this uh, on this Twitter space in the past, I went to a pretty fancy boarding school. I was a day student. I was not that fancy, but I, I went with, you know, some some of my classmates. Their parents had like tens and hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars, and like those were not the most motivated of my classmates. It will not surprise you <laughs> that, that like. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the hedge fund pioneer, like his son was like a good swimmer, um, but uh, I, I couldn't really speak to his academics. Right. Biggest, like, biggest Adderall dealer on campus. That's right. So like, uh, you know, we do have, we have this case study or we, we've seen that like having all adversity removed from your childhood doesn't necessarily produce the world's most creative, thoughtful, uh, you know, high output individuals. Yeah. Sometimes we focus too much on kind of creating comfort, which actually that's not, not what you want, that actually you want to actually, you don't want to create distress for your children, but you want to be very, very careful about creating too much comfort for sure. And I think that, and Adam, I think that was your point that like, Hey, this like taking also for a, didn't he say for a decade plus, am I making that up? I mean, he wants to give 
a lot of like salary for a long period of time as if this is like a researcher yes a decade plus of salary like what makes no sense Ken, I saw you coming on as a speaker. I noticed you, you, you're on Twitter. You were looking forward to, to talking about this. Do you have a, a Ken or True? I noticed you added, added yourselves. Do you guys thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Um, earlier, you mentioned something, Brian, about uh, taking a slice of somebody's income, future income, as being somehow immoral. And I, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I tend to side more with Adam on sort of in, incentivizing young minds who are filled with silly hormones to introduce variants in their life. I think that's the moral part, but um, t- taking future earnings is essentially equity. So like if you've ever taken, uh, you know, incentive shares, uh, stock options, that's the same thing at a drastically different scale. So I'm sort of curious if you like where between those polar ends, you would sort of draw the line. Uh, but I'm I'm also curious if anybody remembers the um, kids in like 99 or 2000 who sold their bodies as advertising venues in order to raise money for college, because I think that's kind of an interesting example of like, what if the what if it wasn't Sam Altman just sort of like rapaciously incentivizing these kids with millions of dollars and it was instead kids trying to come up with inventive ways to do this for themselves. Oh, and like I mean, my kids this is part of the reason why I I found that when. Uh, you know, Facebook was offering then Facebook, not Meta. Facebook was was offering kids effectively money to offer up data, and I feel that that's so gross to me because my kids would absolutely do that. I mean, you would overpay if you paid ten bucks for my kids' data, you'd be overpaying because they would gladly do anything for money. Which is part of the reason, like they're kids, that's why they can't make that decision. But Drew, that's a good point about the the that. Because I feel like in the dot com boom, there were there were a couple of those. In terms of the the immorality of it, I mean, I just feel that like you're right. I mean, it is like it looks like it's like having someone, some dead investor on your cap table, and it sucks. And and like it sucks when it's a company. It would really suck to be a person where it's like, can I declare bankruptcy to like shake this person? How do I get rid of this investor? Basically, how do I get rid of this board member? Um, so I don't know. To me, it would be it's it's. Certainly, or actually, Drew, I would flip it around. Would if if your child were contemplating this, what would your advice to them be? That oh, Drew's reconnecting. So Ken, I noticed you were trying to get here as well. Maybe while Drew's reconnecting, you can. Uh... Yeah, the whole thing just feels incredibly exploitative. Um. So, so the, the reason I feel kind of strongly about that topic is just because, you know, <laughs> you got you got kids that are clearly interested in coming on and doing something interesting, and you know, it's like, like I I I, I just think of it like um. You, you've got so many people that don't understand so many topics like like finance, like just coming out, like what's the best way to go about something? Then you have to think about, are these kids trying to create companies? So are they in leadership positions that are going to be taking on like response, like basically being the CEO of a, of a fresh company and um, trying to lead others when they might have really strong technical ability 
but maybe not great social skills. And there's just like a whole slew of other things that it feels like they're not setting them up for success in any real way. Right. Right. And I agree with you that it, it, it's exploitative. And as you say, like part of the reasons it's exploitative is it's like being with someone whose judgment is impaired, taking advantage of someone whose judgment is impaired is wrong because you know, their judgment is impaired and the judgment of as the parent of teenagers, the judgment of teenagers is impaired. God bless them. God love them. But their judgment is impaired at some level. And I, yeah, I, to, I, I completely agree with you about it being exploitative. And I can't see our dog Drew got bounced out for good. It looks like. Um, so I, I, there's another r- remark in there about like the, I mean, so actually Adam, is it worth like, taking this seriously in terms of like how we do did you read any of the other uh, anything else in his thread by the way about <laughs> no 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 you poisoned me that far but i wasn't going to go that deep what, what were there any real gems in there well apparently he got on this because he was asked to speak at presumably a commencement ceremony and in his words he was instructed to point to attributes of himself presumably race or gender as part of of his privilege and he it was his this was the moment that he realized that that uh uh, higher education is going to collapse uh one of our colleagues said like out of curiosity like if this had happened to him in a grocery store would we be reading about the collapse of safeway i mean (laughs) (laughs) so uh, it's not clear uh how the uh and also i like i question like okay let me just hear what the actual guidance you got was under commencement address out of curiosity because I, I think that certainly I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly I feel like I have been very, very, very lucky in my life. And I would be lying if I didn't say a decent amount of that luck was by birth. And, uh, and not everyone has that. And it's, it's wrong to not acknowledge that. Right. And so I don't know what his problem was. Yeah. I, I, to- I totally agree with that. And I think that uh, the other like the kind of concurrent experiment that, that Sam Altman is not really alluding to is like, what if you give a bunch of not particularly talented 30 somethings a hundred million dollars and, you know, praise them for their entrepreneurial efforts, whatever they might've been, then what will happen to those folks? And I think we're like seeing the effects of, of those experiments. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, are, we, are you about to make a Ryan Breslow connection? God bless you. Or am I doing that? <laughs> no, I think he's in his twenties. I, I, I... I just mean like you have lots of entrepreneurs who've like killed it for some definition of it, and yeah. and like um, and some is you know by happenstance, and some is assuredly by skill, but um, it's the rare among those that can really distinguish those and and really do good and do well, um, you know, for, as a second act. And you guys, that's interesting. So in terms of like, you got to believe that Altman has his own insecurities. I mean, he should. Like if he got insecurities, like if he doesn't have insecurities, like you should have some because like, honestly, your outcome was not that great. It was not that impressive and definitely wasn't repeated. And I like, I'm not sure it's not, I I haven't seen the contribution to science or engineering you've made. So uh, yeah, you'd like get some insecurities, probably do you good. (laughs) Right. Well earned. Yeah, interesting. And it, it, you, so you you wonder if he's not w- wondering himself, like, do I, I, I guess I just don't understand that. What is the fixation with the youth there? I don't get it. 
do you, how have the Teal Fellows done? How has that experiment gone? Oh, I, I don't think you're right. The Teal Fellows is what I was reaching for earlier. Uh, I, I haven't followed. I assume badly, but m- maybe maybe that's unfair, I guess. I have met one Teal Fellow, and they were absolutely wall-to-wall, 100.0% insufferable. It was exactly like your caricature of what a Teal Fellow would be. First of all, told me within two sentences that they were a Teal Fellow. It's like, wow, that was okay. <laughs> definitely. What, okay, that's, an, that's definitely an, an unasked question, but okay. Uh, and it was, yeah, really bad. It was, it was, somebody's in this, well, I should, you know, I'm trying to write a paragraph without an E again. I shouldn't bother. <laughs> There's something deeply narcissistic about people that are longevity obsessed. Can I just get that out there? Yes, as uh, as a sort of non sequitur, unless I missed some important connective tissue. No, I I, I should have, I, I knew I should have written the paragraph without the e. I should have kept I should have kept not using the e. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, well, we have not talked about time at all. I feel we're going to have to d- d- defer time to a, a future space. Adam, I, do we have? Have we burned this one down enough? Do we I, have? I think we've burned this bur- burned this to some ashes. Yeah, and I, I and I'd still like to talk about daylight savings time. Um, you know, less timely, no pun intended, but but there's some meat on that bone too. Uh, so I, I assume we will pick that up next week. Is that what you're saying? So, works for me. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. Um, Antranic, I know you got up incredibly early. Um, ironically, oh no, 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 sir. Finished. I just I just haven't slept. I'm very happy <laughs> now. I can join at four a.m. instead of five a.m. That's very nice. Uh, may thank you or maybe not thank you, Daylight. I have no idea how your <laughs> thing works at all. Like in Syria, we didn't use it. In Armenia, we don't use it. How the hell does that work? I still don't understand. But uh, yeah, I, it, it still looks like it's an enemy. Every every six months, someone is writing about it on somewhere. All right. Well, we're, we're going to pick that up next week. I think we'll talk about that in detail, and we will talk about time. I hope I. I, so, Adam, you and I are going to have to be resilient to any Sam Altman trolling. I mean, this is obviously – I mean, this was a – was this a Category 2 troll, Category 3, in terms of a trolling event? Yeah, I mean, it was up there. And, and yes, we will both equally need to be resilient. Yes. I was not going to mention this to you. <laughs> you you broke the seal on this one. Left the That's fair. That's fair. I was going to be like, I was going to keep a stiff upper lip and we're just like, we'll talk about it. But, but no, we, okay. No, we're gonna break it, talk about it. it was on me. That's fair. Um, you, you know, forecasters warn of a Breslow Altman superstorm that, that could <laughs> imperil all of humanity. <laughs> Currently building. We're going to keep an eye on it. Well, and fortunately, I mean, because recall that Breslow has Y Combinator as, as, as the mob bosses of Silicon Valley. Uh, I mean, that's important for humanity. That kind of that 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 uh, ma- magnetic repulsion is actually very important to prevent these two from joining forces to some sort of like trolling Voltron that would uh, destroy us all. <laughs> uh, trolling Voltron, you got me. Trolltron? Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> there we go. Finally, we have the title of the episode. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will talk to you next week. I'm really sorry. We won't thank you. Again, or we'll try not to. Adios.